telling you that everything that you are facing, God already knows about it, and he already has an answer for it. That you are, as Pastor Dan said, his daily delight. Everything in your life has purpose to draw you closer to him. And so as we continue the series, Keeping Hope Alive, I want to bring to you an understanding that hope is a power that protects your future. My future is protected. My future is solidified because I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. The story I told you last week where the whole city in another nation was darkened, but there was only one hotel that had its lights on and everything was dark and the thought that I had was this again. How could there be this much light in the midst of this much darkness? When I walked across the street and entered this brightly lit place, what I saw was bright lights and wonderful food and a lot of happy people. The manager told me something that struck me, and he said, we have power on the inside that is not controlled by the circumstances on the outside. Excuse me. You and I have a hope on the inside No matter what we face, it won't stop the plan of God. But we have to understand hope. We have to recognize that when situations arise in our life, that we are to run to God, run to the Lord. You see, the hotel that we talked about last week had a gas generator, but I want to tell you, you and I have the great I am living inside us. Jesus, who gave his life up for us on the cross, created all things and is over all things and has promised us a future. Darkness today is around us. Israel, in the book of Jeremiah, were in dire straits. Their past ruled them. Their sin ruled them. They became angry at God. They were saying there is no hope, and so there is no God. And in the midst of all the darkness, God said, remember our verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future, and to give you a hope. You see this well-lit verse in the midst of a dark chapter in Israel's life. The Lord said, I have a plan for you. Your future is safe with me. This is how you keep hope in your life. As we continue today, verse 12 stated, Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me, and you will find me. 
when you search for me with all of your heart. You see, the play on words that we brought to you last week is this. In order to get the plan, you must go to the planner. And it's not a casual effort. Seek, he says, and search for me. I will never leave you. Many in our world are part-time Christians who always want a full-time God. When they need him, they want him. And we ended last week with this statement. Does God have your attention today? You see, to get the plan, you must be connected with the person, the person who made the plan. In Jeremiah, we found that God, the Bible tells us that God put Israel in a situation, in a pagan society that ruled as a pagan rule to get their undivided attention. You see, when I met Terry, I thought she was one of the most beautiful ladies in the world. Still do. But when I first met her, she really didn't respond the way I wanted her to respond. But after a few months, I began to fall in love with her. And one day we went to Disneyland and we got on a ride. And this ride was a ride. I had a plan, folks. This ride was a ride that would spin a long spin. Now, I'll tell you, I've fallen in love with her because I don't like going round and round. But it was the kind that would keep going faster and faster. And if you sat in the right place, the person next to you would slide closer and closer to you. It's the kind of ride that at the end of the ride, it's almost like you had two people in the ride. At the end of the ride, you had one person. <laughs> Why is that? Because I had a plan for her and a future and a hope. What did I have to do? I had to create a situation. I created a situation to draw her near so I had her undivided attention. See, my wife is well known now in marriage conferences as Dr. Terry Ruth. And she teaches on sex. But when I first met her, I would touch her baby finger and she'd turn all red. What am I trying to get at here? Some of you say, I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell you. Your chaos today is really not about what you are facing. Oh, it involves the situation that's going on. It involves the hurt. It involves pain. It involves the, the things that are happening in your life. But I, I, I want you to understand in 2 Chronicles chapter 15, because of time, just look at the screen. Mark that down in your notes. For a long time, Israel has been without the true God. There was a time frame where Israel literally did not 
spend time with God and really didn't have him. Without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their trouble they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times, there was no peace to the one who went out, nor to the one who came in. But great turmoil was on all the inhabitants of the land. Now look at verse 6. So nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every adversity. You may have personal chaos today. You may have family chaos today. You may have cultural chaos today. But verse 6 says that God may have caused this chaos. But let me give you some hope. If God is your problem, then only God is your solution. Man, I am just chewing at everybody's base. We are in the beginning of the end times. In the beginning of the end times, the Bible says God is pouring out his spirit. Hope is a well-lit verse that draws you to an intimate relationship with him. In the last days, there will be dark days, the Bible tells us. In the last days, there will be confusion. But look, the hotel across the street is well lit. Why? They have a power on the inside that allows them to continue to do what they are called to do. To serve people that stay at their hotel. Church, I want to say to you, look, there is a well-lit verse that gives you hope on the inside. That chaos that you are facing will not take your future away. It is supposed to draw you closer to God. And because we don't understand hope, because we don't understand process of hope, Anytime chaos happens, we try to run from it. We give up. We quit. We quit. We, we move into places in our life where we say, you know, well, I don't like this, and we become offended, and we get hurt, and we get angry. We get angry at God. We get angry at our spouse. We get angry at everybody else, but the chaos that is manifesting in our life is used to draw us closer to the one that has the answer for your chaos. Let me explain something we must understand. Because, now I love it, Pastor Dan said, I'm right on the edge of here of faith. And let me just tell you, I'm right on the edge of here of faith. If there's anybody that's a faith person, I'm a faith person. If there's anybody that believes what God says, I don't care what happens, I believe it. But we have to understand hope. 
Hope is not, well, I hope something will happen. I hope an answer will come. Hope is an understanding that there is a power that is in us, a hope that draws us to intimacy with God. And in that intimacy with God comes the answer to every situation in our life. Because of the work of the cross, it changed the way God works with you and me. I call it, in New Covenant, I call it the passive wrath of God. God is a jealous God. You are his daily delight. The Bible tells us that he does not bring sickness on us. He does not bring anything like that. But the Bible will tell us that in the midst of attacks of the enemy or eating wrong food or whatever happens and our body begins to be destructed, the Bible is telling us that there is a God that will use any chaos that you are in to say, come and be with me, draw in with me. If you are intimate with me, if you are with me and walking with me and doing it my way, your healing will manifest, your prosperity will manifest, your marriage will be healed, but you must do it my way and it starts with intimacy with me. Now in the Old Testament, we see an active wrath of God. Fire and brimstone, ground opening up, the flood. But today, because of the work of Christ, God relates to the world through passive wrath. Let me show you a scripture of New Covenant. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. Read that later on. Because of time, I want you to read that later on. But I want you to mark in your, your notes verses 24, verse 26, and verse 28. It says, and God turned them over. And God turned them over. When we don't seek after God with all of our heart, he allows you, listen very closely, he allows you to experience life even though he never forsakes you without him. He's there. But it's because of choices that we make. So as some have removed God from culture, we have a tendency to remove God from schools. We have a tendency to, to remove, now some of the states are bringing it back, prayer from schools. Now don't get me wrong, as I had a discussion with, with Richard today, don't get me wrong that, that God has many of you that are in the schools that are prayer warriors. So basically, prayer has not been removed from our schools because you're there. But I want to say to you that prayer has been removed according to rule. And with that, the tendency is when something bad happens, then everybody calls for everybody to pray. But I want you to understand that every chaos that goes on, God wants to bring you back to him. We've removed God from government. We, we saw uh, one group of government that had their, their uh, meeting, their four-day meeting, and they literally had to vote whether they wanted to remove God out of their 
principles. Someone walked up to the guy, whispered in his ear, and said, don't do it, because it'll destroy us politically. And so he did a fake vote, and they kept God in their platform. Now, I'll bet you any money, if I was a better, that there were hundreds of Christians in that room. who were aghast at what was going on, but did not know what to do. And the reality is, is that we find throughout history of mankind in every aspect of our lives that we remove God out of the picture and we become our own God. We've removed God out of the family. And what happens because of that? A culture of hate will come. Hate is becoming rampant in family and in our world because we've removed God. Scripture says, for God troubled them with distress. But here it is. In 2 Chronicles they couldn't handle it anymore. Second Chronicles chapter 15, verse 4 says this. But when in their trouble, they turned to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, and he was found by them. Your chaos hurts, but your chaos should be a signal to every one of us to draw close to God. To run to God. Because he has run to you through the cross. The very people who threw those branches down in front of Jesus, Palm Sunday we call it, and this victorious entrance that was prophesied in the Old Testament are the very same people that yell, crucify him. Because their trouble caused them to run from God instead of moving towards God. How many people do you know have run from God instead of running to God in their chaos? How many people do you know that have blamed God instead of loved God for their chaos? And they're miserable, and they're angry. And God says in a well-lit verse, I am here, and I have a future for you. What God is doing in the midst of your chaos is to break us of our independence where we become desperate for God, where we become desperate for him so we can get an answer from him, the hope that will always protect your future. Verse 12 and 13 again. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Church, do it with all your heart. Love God with all of your heart. Be faithful to him. You see, here's what we need. We need the return of God's manifested presence in our midst. 
God never skips the church. Listen very closely again. God never skips the church to fix your house. What do I mean by that? He never skips what's going on in your personal life. He never skips the decisions that you're making, whether for him or against him, to fix your house. God never skips the church to fix your relationships. People say, if only I win the lottery, all my troubles will be over. Uh Uh-uh. Your troubles will become accentuated. God never skips the church house to fix the White House either. When the church becomes the church again, seeking God and not seeking stuff, when he moves, he always starts with the conditions of his people. Do we have his attention? Are we there? You see people, I've seen it in 30, almost 38 years of ministry, people run to and fro trying to get the answer, trying to feel good, trying to find the right job, the right person, the right church, the right this. And they have run from God and God puts chaos and uses a chaos in their life to draw them closer to them. They do religious things to to look spiritual, but their life is chaos and falling apart. So God says, listen, I have the answer for your situation. Hmm. Ephesians 3, verse 10 and 11 says, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. If God can't get our attention, how in the world is he going to get the world's attention? If God can't get us to be faithful, if God can't get us to love him, it, it will get to the place, even though he pours out his spirit in these end times, there is an opposite reaction of the enemy And he will try to bring where the word is not preached, just programs, where the church is not walking in power, where healing doesn't manifest. And Jesus went to the cross and took stripes upon his back for our healing. When healing doesn't manifest, when things don't go on in the church, it's because the church has run from God. But we're having fun. We're playing our music. We're doing our thing. God told Israel in Jeremiah, I have a plan for you, and it works. God in Jeremiah tells us that you can reach God's purpose in your life. There is no outside power that can stop my blessings for your future, God says. But you never see the planning until you turn to the planner. You see, in these last days, God doesn't want CIA covert Christians. You can tell I'm using terms of the day. Everybody else is coming out of the closet. Christians, why don't you? 
Amen. Everybody else is coming out of their own personality. Christians, why don't you come out of your closet? Let me say it this way. In your life, if you are accused of being a Bible thumper, there should be enough evidence to convict you. Amen? Your pastor loves you. I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at religion. Church, you are a God chaser. You are loyal to the church of Jesus Christ. The reason Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed was just not because of immorality. The additional reason the cities were destroyed is Abraham couldn't find ten. Abraham said, if I could find 50 righteous in Sodom and Gomorrah, will you save it? We say, if we could find 50 in Elmani and South Elmani, would you save it? Rosemead, Hacienda Heights, Arcadia, Rancho Cucamonga, any city around here that we all represent. He went all the way to 10, and it was destroyed because the righteous could not be located. When we become full-time Christians, then you will hear from me, God says. Let me tell you about prayer also. The program is already set. Let me tell you about prayer. You get in position to suck down the promise already given. Jeremiah 29, 14 says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. What God just said there is, I will restore all things to you. How many of you have dreams and visions? How many have things that you know that God has said to you and it hasn't happened? Pastor, I don't know what to do about it. Let me tell you what to do, do about it. Get hope. How do you get hope? You become intimate with God. You draw close to the Lord. Well, I don't have time. Yes, you do have time. Well, I, I just, the reading and all. Get intimate with God. All through the Bible, church, the Bible is telling us. I mean, I I look and I watch how simple it is to deceive the believer. Let me say it this way, to deceive the Christian. We get so overwhelmed with our pain, and let me tell you, pain hurts. Let me tell you about one of our friends, one of our elders, Ray Coleman, who is sitting at his home, a guy who has prayed for people and has seen multiple miracles, a guy who has led 
hundreds of people to the Lord. A guy who, who has purchased thousands and thousands of dollars worth of materials to pass out to, to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ is sitting home today. I was with him yesterday, prayed with him yesterday, sitting home yesterday with a big hole in the back of his head and having radiation every single day, and we'll have radiation for over 50 days straight. It is shrinking. Laughter doeth good like medicine. Medicine is good. I'm believing for the miracle. And he is in intense pain, and it hurts. And at times that I'm with him, he's like this, just in intense pain. And all of a sudden, you hear out of his mouth. I believe in my healer. I am healed in Jesus' name. You see, what I'm telling you is real life. Because you know it's real life. In the chaos that maybe you're facing today, you're hurting. You're dejected. You feel rejected. Things are going on in your life. You have lost hope, some of you. And the reason why hope is lost is not because the chaos is too big. The hope is lost is because we've run from God. Because we blame God. Many of you have been ripped off by many things you've experienced. You've been ripped off by hurt, unforgiveness, sin, and other people who have done wrong things. I've sat in front of Christians who have literally quoted Scripture and promised things in their life, and a week later, they're totally opposite. Israel left God and went to idols or other sources for their answer. And God told Israel, I put you in Babylon so you can see the only deliverer is me. My brother and my father always say, say this, and I have a tendency periodically to say this. Well, how you doing? Oh, not so good. What are you doing? Yeah, have you, how long have you been doing that? Well, I've been trying for years. How's that working out for you? And so the reality that we have to understand is we can keep doing the same thing that is opposite of the things that God says and, quote, hoping for the answer. Church family, with all the love that I have for you, I want to say to you, seek God. Go after the Lord. Everybody around you might even hate you. But if you understand the intimate love of God, that won't matter anymore. God can turn anything into laughter. God says, give me your undivided attention. I am your God. I will restore everything you thought you lost if you come back on my terms. That's the hope of our faith. That's hope. In the midst of chaos you know God. In the midst of chaos, God is absolutely overwhelming you 
with his peace. God can restore. God can take a mess in your life and create a miracle. Some of you need a miracle. In the midst of any hopelessness, God says, I know your pain. I know it looks like your family's not going to change. So the question is, what do you do? (laughs) He says, give me your undivided attention and watch me do my thing. Watch me give you back the life you thought you lost. When you think you lost something, it's called hopelessness. But when you begin to have this amazing hope in your life, then you will begin to see God can turn that around. Oh, church, God is a restoring God. And understand this. God, the restoring God, that is the nature of God. That's God's nature. When you begin to look up towards the Lord, the first word that needs to come to your mind in who he is is a restorer. He can take what the enemy has stolen and return it. He can take what the enemy has done for generations in your home, in your family, and he can restore. He could take your marriage. Maybe it's your third marriage. It's okay. That's all right. No condemnation there. And he can make that marriage the greatest marriage in your life. He can take one that is full of fear and he can restore such faith and such joy that you will begin to walk in such peace in everything. Oh, it's not about, see, a lot of Christians are always looking at, well, if you really forgive, then you will do. No, it's not about doing, it's about becoming. God is more concerned about what you're becoming than what you're doing. Because there are people, while you forgive, okay, go ahead and get hurt again by doing things that you did before that hurt you. It gives you wisdom. It gives you understanding. It gives you peace. You make decisions based upon God's peace, upon God's word, upon what God said, and not how you feel. Because there are a lot of believers that are making decisions based on their feeling and their emotion, and the first thing someone has to do is say, what kind of Christian are you? So all of a sudden you go around and think, well, I have to do something to show. No, you have to become that. How do you become that? Hope is that you become intimate with God. You spend time with God. You worship God. You raise your hands. It's not about raising hands, but you begin to manifest your love towards him. And when you do so, it brings hope. So let's close with these statements. Hope is he can give me back what I thought I lost, even if it was my fault I lost it. You know why Israel was in Babylon? It was their fault. 
but God gave him a well-lit verse. I said, hey, and, and let me just paraphrase it. Y'all really messed it up. You rejected me time after time after time after time after time after time. I sent prophets to you. You, you, you just constantly just turn your back on me. And you did it your own way. You tried to fix your problems your own way. But let me tell you, all you have to do is turn around, look towards me, and come towards me. Because I have a future and a hope for you. I will take you right back to where I wanted you to be. You cannot do bad enough for me to stop my plan for you. Unless you keep running. That's why even in our chaos, church, even in our messes, even in our stink, God is there. And he's saying, I love you. You are my daily desire. Here's my plan for you. It hasn't changed. It is there. Oh, you say you've done, uh, hey, you ask for forgiveness. It's a done deal. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. Amen? If you got condemnation, that's not from me. Conviction is to draw you to me because I love you. Last statement. We serve a restoring God. Let's say it again. We serve a restoring God. So one more time. We serve a restoring God. Love him back. Let's all stand.